welcome to Apartment 29A. I'm Shosh. And I'm Megan. And we're two best friends who have a lot to say. This week, we're going to talk about the podcast, What's Your Problem? The book, Midnight Library by Matt Haig. And then we're going to end by talking about the author of Peter Pan and the next season of Bridgerton. And while we do that, we are going to drink cinnamon spice tea by the Tea of the Month Club. This is an interesting tea because if you really like it, you can get it through the through people who have Tea of the Month. That is all I can <laughs> like, As far as I can tell, there is no other way of purchasing this tea. And I actually can't remember now if it was January or February's um, subscription month, but if you don't have this, I don't know how else you get it. <laughs> There's literally like no label or anything. The little end of the, the string where it has the little paper bit is just plain white. Mm-hmm. The only reason I know what it is is because Megan labeled it for me. Yeah. So my mom bought me the Tea of the Month Club for Christmas. So I'm getting it every month through the year of 2022. And uh, it took me a while to get a package to show. So she got four teas at once instead of two teas at once. And um, then I also shared some with my mother. So my mother actually got to taste this tea before any of the rest of us, even though she bought the tea for me. (laughs) And it came like it shipped to my house. Thanks, mom. Yep, thanks, mom. But uh, my mom really likes the tea so much that, so I sent them four tea bags so that my mom and dad could try taste it twice. And my mom drank all four cups of the cinnamon spice tea. <laughs> awesome. Hi, dad. <laughs> so she really likes it. How about you, Shosh? <laughs> I like it. The I smelled the tea bag ahead of time. We decided to go with this one both because Megan's mom really loved it, and then also just because it's a cinnamon tea. And anyone who's been listening knows that I really enjoy cinnamon. So Megan was like, "Let's try this. This is probably going to be a good one." So I smelled it, and the tea bag, and then once you brew it, also to me, it smells very apple cinnamony, uh, which is not always my favorite combination. Even though I do love cinnamon, I don't like hate it or dislike it it's just not a combination that I'm drawn to if that makes sense but it's good it reminds me of apple pie meat cinnamon toast crunch cereal that is what I have determined the flavor combination is I like that description well that's what it is clearly (laughs) clearly if it had a label that is what it would say (laughs) cinnamon toast crunch tea If apple pie and cinnamon toast crunch cereal had a baby, it would be this tea. How do you feel about this tea? I really enjoy it. I mean, cinnamon tea is never my favorite. Um, Nothing against it. It's just cinnamon anything where it's just cinnamon, like cinnamon gum, cinnamon tea. Um, My stomach usually tells me that I'm not going to enjoy it even though it's supposed to be something that settles your stomach, but my stomach's like, oh yeah, no. Wrong. <laughs> I'm going to be the opposite. Um, but, and the, the tea bag for me didn't smell apple at all. It smelled like uh, cinnamon, like cinnamon bourbon, like that mm-hmm. um, fireball. There we go. I was like, it's got a name. <laughs> um, but then when I brewed it, the apple came out for sure. Uh, and I definitely agree with Shosh's like it's it's cooked apple so it's not like that fresh crisp apple so that like apple pie makes sense and then like for me I get a little bit of spice on like the mid back of my tongue I enjoy it I will probably um, send some of this back to my mother since she loved it so much and as I say there's like no other way to get it it's so strange very bizarre we yeah. were having a discussion about this before we started recording and we were trying to decide if they're making their own teas, if they're getting them from somewhere and for some reason not labeling them, which kind of doesn't make sense because you think you would want that to be advertised, like the tea companies that would participate would want their stuff to be recognized, which mm-hmm. led us to believe that it had to be their own. 
yeah. batch, but then again, why can't you purchase it at all? Is it a single run? It really doesn't make any sense at all. It's so strange. And like, so the amazing clubs, which is the I don't, umbrella organization, organization that does all of these like tea of the month, wine of the month, beer of the month. My husband and I get the wine of the month and it's labeled bottles of wine. Like it'll tell you where it came from. My dad gets the beer of the month. It's labeled beer. So it's certainly not like every club somehow unlabels things or just doesn't provide labels. No, like, and their subscriptions come with descriptions of the wineries, descriptions of the beer, the breweries. And I'm like, how come I don't get a description of the teeries? Right. That's the thing. You think you would get, (laughs) well, it is now, but you'd think you would get information about the tea, especially if it was from different, you know, suppliers, different companies, Mm -hmm. just like you do with the wine and the beer doesn't make any sense I'm very confused by all of this yeah and I'm just so surprised that you can't like go to the tea of the month and buy January's cinnamon spice or February's whichever one it was right I mean you would think even if they're making it themselves they would have a store then of the teas I mean I don't know if they have a somewhat small facility and so they just do a single batch to go out for that month's box but that also seems like a poor business model because then you could be making money off the tea. Yeah, you my, know, my mom people would have be buying one. this tea in bulk. Right. So I don't understand. Yeah, I don't either. It's so interesting to me. Yeah, it's, I'm intrigued by the whole thing. I'd really like to figure this out. Yeah. We probably won't ever be able to, but I'd like to know. It makes it doesn't make any sense. It's confusing. Does you know anybody who works for Tea of the Month? <laughs> If you could have Please them reach out us to know. us. <laughs> yeah, we're very confused and we want some information. Maybe we can stalk them on uh, Instagram and see what happens. Yeah, and ask them, can we buy a tea if we like them? Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't think I personally would be purchasing this tea, but like you said, your mom would definitely want this tea. Yeah. And I mean, in a future month, there could be a tea that we would want and then I will be upset if we can't get it. Yeah, we get two teas a month. There's three more teas we haven't even tried. Right. It could be and the most amazing tea on the planet. And more to come. Yeah, yeah, like later this week. <laughs> <laughs> maybe um, this podcast. Yeah, I was gonna say oh, maybe, maybe Jacob Goldstein can ask this. What's your problem? It can be a <laughs> an episode of maybe, the podcast. Maybe. All right. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what's your problem? Sure. So I, Jacob Goldstein used to be on Planet Money and I listened to Planet Money from NPR and Planet Money was, uh, did an advertisement for Jacob Goldstein's What's Your Problem? His new podcast. I was like, oh, that's really nice. Um, And yeah, I need to listen to that. Uh, So there's only, I think, three episodes and As far as I can tell, the idea is that Jacob Goldstein is going to essentially entrepreneurs and asking them, what's your problem? What is, what is, what are the issues that are coming up in your field in, in trying to scale your business? What, what are you, either what problem, what problems are you trying to solve or just what is the problem that's coming up that's preventing you from being able to get to the next stage in your business? And the episode I listened to was about, well, drones and medications. It was really cool. And so I was like, shosh, you have to listen to this podcast. (laughs) So I did. (laughs) This particular episode was an entrepreneur who was working with, like, I mean, was just kind of trying to figure out what to do he'd done a few businesses in the past and he's like I don't know I just like to solve problems and we'll see and his wife tipped him off to this problem in I think Ghana of medications essentially expiring before they can get to the people who need them and he was like "Uh, we so the medications exist 
he's like this is actually a problem we we have all this this medicine that's just expiring because it's not getting to the people and they were like yeah yeah so he came up with this plan to use drones to take the medication from the warehouses to the individuals who need them and so then you the episode takes you through of course how do you get these drones and he ended up having to essentially build the drones himself because of the drones that they were like offered they're like well you can use these but only on every other tuesday if the moon's in the right position okay it wasn't quite that bad but it was definitely like you can rent them but if it's raining they may not work <laughs> he was like people <laughs> still want blood in the rain yeah <laughs> people are gonna need these medications no matter what phase the moon is in or (laughs) so then it was really cool because he learned how like what materials are needed to build a drone and essentially it's just like a flying cell phone that's how i that's what i took from the episode the host was really surprised by that but i wasn't only because i know that our phones are actually more powerful than the first computers that took people to the moon so once you know that when you're like oh yeah surely a drone (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) surely our phone you know is capable of flying a drone if our phone is better than what took people to the moon so (laughs) right for sure um but it was just interesting because it's not the phone itself but the pieces of the phone and then you can build drones relatively inexpensively because all these cell phone companies are trying to build cell phones in bulk so all the pieces are already relatively inexpensive so if you need a a gps chip i don't now we're getting into i'm like i don't know what did they say about gps (laughs) whatever it is that allows it to have gps yeah that part exactly your phone does that that's already relatively cheap throw that onto the drone and then you just need to build something that can carry something else that's relatively small but if like the biggest thing is like a blood bag I was going to say, I think that what he was actually using it for, I think it started with the medications, but I think he said they were using it mostly in Ghana for blood delivery to different Mm -hmm. locations, which was funny because he was like, yeah, we can't do this because they need the blood, whether it's raining or not. (laughs) Like, yes, that is definitely a critical supply. It's not like, oh, sorry, you can't have your blood transfusion because it's raining outside. so i'm sorry the weather sucks you die like (laughs) (laughs) it's a really interesting idea though to be able to use the drones but the part that i found to be the most interesting was that they obviously are trying to see if they can do this in the united states Mm -hmm. which makes sense there's the u.s is huge and there's lots of rural areas but that they're having problems with basically flight paths because the planes don't have the what was it like transponders or whatever Mm -hmm. it is Mm -hmm. that puts out the signal that lets everybody know they're not required in the U.S. so you can't fly around a bunch of drones because you don't know where all the planes are right and I was like what are you talking about that's like literally I would have thought the most basic thing that would be on a plane I thought like all planes would have that never even occurred to me I mean, obviously there's different regulations, but you can get apps where you can get online and you can see all of the commercial flight paths going all over the whole world. So to me, somebody should know where every plane is, but that is actually not the case. And apparently Ghana and some of these places in Africa are actually much more advanced and forward thinking when it comes to how they're managing their airspace, because they're apparently, I mean, it makes sense, but they're all forward thinking, trying to expand. And apparently they already require the the transponder or whatever. (laughs) Transponder? That's not even a word. (laughs) That was amazing. (laughs) That was a friend's reference for anybody who doesn't know. That was awesome. (laughs) Okay, sorry. (laughs) Got a little off track there. That was amazing. Um, 
But apparently the U.S. is basically like stuck in the past. And then you have all of these holdouts from a long time ago who, you know, it's, it comes back to people who think, you know, if someone's tracking their plane, they're somehow like losing their rights or their freedom and stuff. So it becomes very difficult to change anything. So I don't know, just by safety standards, I would think all planes would need to have those beacons that tell everybody where they are. Right. And it's so, I had no idea that that was different from country to country. I know. And then this is the most amazing part though. So he was talking about in a few places where they actually are trying to use them. So it's kind of like pilot programs trying to figure this out for some rural spaces. And they said, literally they have to employ people to just look up in the sky (laughs) so they have an app they literally just watch the routes and they have an app and they will report if they see a plane or a object or something and then there are you know processes in place to to follow you know if somebody on the route sees something in the drone's path yeah (laughs) it was like that is crazy yeah. And also very much limits what you can do with these drones if you have to have people looking up at the sky right. to see if there's planes or things in the way. Yeah. Well, and for sure, like I thought that the problem would have been like trying to get the doctors to be comfortable to order the medication to be sent by drone somewhere. But turns out that was the easy part. They have the app. They just ask, you know, teach doctors to use it. And doctors are like, heck yeah, this is awesome. Click some buttons and like, and there you go. It's ordered and the drone's on its way. And I I think they said they were super flexible about that too. I think they said they had like an app or they could text or they could call. They were like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter. Just as soon as they let us know. And then obviously we didn't get to watch the video because it was a podcast where the guy, the the host was kind of um, in an amusing sort of manner narrating (laughs) the, uh, the video, but then the person basically like loads the blood and then goes and launches this drone. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. My thought though, this is what I was thinking. This is like kind of sad, but I know in a lot of places, especially in the middle East and some places in Africa, but especially the middle East, the U S has used so many drones that I know Mm -hmm. it's like been pretty traumatic for a lot of populations. So if they hear or see drones, it, you know what I mean? Makes they don't think, think life things, giving. Not they like, think life taking. Right. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, this was in Africa, where that obviously must not have been an issue. But I was just thinking, like, how much can you expand this, and where can you use it? Because how many places are going to see drones as a good thing versus a bad thing? And then on top of that, just in general, kind of clogging up the airspace with drones because I've had that thought before too because I know there's been a lot of talk of it like Amazon doing deliveries by drone and stuff right and so I've kind of had that thought like are you just gonna be walking around and you just see all these drones zipping over your head and on one hand maybe that's okay especially if say that helps with traffic and stuff so then you have like less people on the road so you maybe have to see some drones fly by but you know you have less people on the ground or maybe it's you know a more efficient better for the environment I don't actually know those things but I'm just saying there's like lots of questions and things to weigh but I just kind of wondered about that you know what I mean like are we gonna then be like clogging up the skies with drones right also how weird would that be to see one like come down and put a package on your doorstep well have you do you ever watch Parks and Rec the tv show no amir oh, watches it but so I, haven't, I haven't really there is an episode it. where the google like company i can't remember what it's called right now does deploy drones to deliver everyone in pawnee like a nice little gift like a welcome gift for for allowing them to to survive and work in their town but um Ron does not like this and Ron shoots his drone down (laughs) (laughs) what you see is like he's like pulled the drone so like uh Leslie like opens the door she's like hi and he's got this drone (laughs) like by his like it's like I do not like this I'm on your side (laughs) what is next (laughs) because he's all about like privacy and he's like I don't even know how this drone found me it found me through like my kids doohickey that I thought wasn't even providing GPS. 
That's awesome. So. But you know, that actually could happen. Like if right. people start using drones and now granted the guy did say that they had tested it and like he got underneath one and purposely got hit by it basically and stuff to see what would happen. But I did kind of wonder about that too, because even when you have really great technology, I mean, you know, there's always unexpected things or, you know, stuff that goes wrong with technology unexpectedly. And so I'm like, what if one of these like hits somebody or falls onto a car or I don't know, there's like so many things that you just kind of wonder about. For sure. Definitely wonder. Um, but I'm I'm imagining though like mini helicopters. So like mm. the helicopter, you know, that are painted to with a little like for us like red cross, you know? Like oh, so yeah, you would yeah. know that it's like this is one that you don't want to shoot donation. out the sky this <laughs> Please the be nice to me. <laughs> I provide life giving medicine. <laughs> but you know, some of those things really can change stuff because it would be amazing if you could use drones to, you know, get medications or blood to rural places. Mm-hmm. And there's it's like so cool when people come up with things like that. They did this program in Israel where they started having mobile like paramedics basically like on motorcycles though so they would have they would have less supplies but there's like I don't know what the statistics are but there's like statistics about how quickly somebody can get there like improving obviously the chances of survival and stuff basically so the way that they did the program and because they employed these people on motorcycles who could then get through traffic and things much faster like that was the whole point they they made it so that they could reach anywhere in the country and it was like some ridiculously short amount of time like five minutes or something there could be somebody to anywhere basically or something like that and it made such a huge difference um and then other places started trying to copy it like I think New York City was doing a pilot program of it the same way Mm -hmm. so obviously you know the person who gets there doesn't have all of the equipment they have a small amount and I think that they did the same thing with cars too so I think obviously the motorcycles have more flexibility because they can you know like if there's a traffic jam motorcycles can still often like go through you know when a car can't but I think they also um started giving out a lot of supplies to cars and stuff too so the idea was even though you had a lot less supplies you just had the basics somebody could get there faster assess and start treatment and then the paramedics would come and sort of take over and like I said it it was making like a huge difference but that means you have to have a lot of trained people and you know what I mean it's like not always I think those things aren't always logistically possible I guess but it's really amazing yeah, exactly. So you can maybe do it in New York City, but I don't know if you could do it like across the entire United States, for example. Right. Interesting. But, yeah, it's cool. I think maybe Israel has the benefit, though, that there's mandatory military service. So I don't know this for sure, but I think that they're all given some medical EMT training, training. Mm-hmm. when you are in the military. So yeah. the same way that almost everybody in the entire country knows how to handle a gun right so not not that they're all carrying guns but like you know they all know proper safety like 90 percent because not everybody that goes into the military is forced to have a gun like a lot of the religious people and stuff have different exceptions and stuff even though they still go to the military but you know what i'm saying a very high percentage of the people in the whole entire country have been trained on how to properly handle fire you know deal with store weapons Mm -hmm. right exactly and so then they have very little accidental gun you know issues and things like that because people are educated about it so I think it's one of those where you can potentially hand out small amounts of supplies to lots of people who aren't actually you know EMTs who have had some of that training because they've all come out of the military interesting yeah I'm guessing a little bit. I don't know that right, much about yeah. it, but I, I think it's no, but it makes probably sense. a reasonable assumption. I think that's probably how they could get so many, yeah. you know, people to be able to respond that quickly. Right. You need to spend a little less on training when everyone comes in already trained at a certain level. Right. Interesting. So, 
And also if you're, if most of those only need a certain basic amount of training as well, because they're not going to have the full supplies. So it's more, you know what I'm saying? Just right. that gap until the paramedics can get there. But yeah. I don't know. It's, it's interesting where people are coming up with these ideas to, to solve these problems. Mm-hmm. So this might be a really interesting podcast. I mean, yeah. the first episode was really, was really interesting. Yeah. I'm definitely going to try listening to a few episodes stay subscribed as they would say (laughs) awesome shall we talk about the midnight library sure let me go ahead and start by reading the goodreads description goodreads says between life and death there is a library and within that library the shelves go on forever every book provides a chance to try another life you could have lived to see how things would be if you had made other choices would you have done anything different if you had had the chance to undo your regrets. In the Midnight Library, Matt Haig's enchanting new novel, Nora Seed finds herself faced with this decision, faced with the possibility of changing her life for a new one, following a different career, undoing old breakups, realizing her dreams of becoming a glaciologist. She must search within herself as she travels through the Midnight Library to decide what is truly fulfilling in life and what makes it worth living in the first place such a good book mm-hmm. yeah this was de- definitely one of the ones that's like can I give it six stars <laughs> agreed we read this as part of our book club and I honestly went into it not really knowing anything about it I had just heard that it was really good and had been seeing it everywhere I'm pretty sure the author is British and so I have seen a lot of stuff like it's been very very big here so I was just seeing it everywhere a lot of people had said it was really good so I honestly didn't really know anything about it It was just one of those things where there's so much buzz about something you just want to know what everybody Mm -hmm. is talking about yeah but I was pleasantly surprised not that I I expected it to be good just from what everyone was saying but it it was it was very good. I really, really enjoyed it. Again, I went into it not really knowing what to expect. I don't even think I had read the <laughs> the blurb. I think <laughs> this was the first time I heard the blurb because I was actually wondering in my head, I was thinking, ooh, how much are we going to be able to say without, you know, giving any spoilers? And then I'm like, oh, it basically tells you everything I was wondering about <laughs> in the blurb. So, you know, she's going through all of these different, you know, iterations basically of her life mm-hmm. and I, it was really fascinating. I didn't want to stop at all. This was one time, I mean, when a book is good, you obviously never want to stop. So when you are reading something for a book club and there's, you're only reading a certain amount, you often get to the end of it and you're like, oh, I have to stop. But it's (laughs) not, it's not usually like a problem. You're usually like, okay, like that sucks. Very first world problem. You're like, oh, okay, I guess I'll stop. But but it's not like a big thing. But with this one, it was one of the only times where I like really wanted to break the rules. I didn't. I followed the rules. But I really, really wanted to break the rules and just keep going. I Mm -hmm. honestly feel like this is one of those the books you could almost sit down and read like in Mm -hmm. one sitting. You, I like. I did not want to stop. It was really easy to get through. I really enjoyed the writing. I just desperately wanted to find out what was going to happen and be different in each life. And so that was, I think, why I didn't want to stop. I just wanted to keep going because it's like each one, you know, the way that she would approach it or the people would be different. And, you you know, you just so desperately wanted to find out what was going to happen in each one. And so it was almost like all these little mini stories even. And so that made it really easy to get through. And you just wanted to just read and read and read. Agreed. So uh, you are correct. Matt Haig was born in Sheffield, England. Ah, oh, there you go. I thought so. Yeah. He writes books for both adults and children, often blending the worlds of domestic reality and outright fantasy with a quirky twist. And this book is definitely that. Um, I bought this book originally for Jeremy, for my husband. Uh, for those of the, for those who don't know who Jeremy might be. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so I knew that the book dealt with philosophy and I knew it dealt with like the philosophy of life essentially, um, which is why I thought my husband would enjoy it. Uh, But I also knew that it was um, quirky is the right word. And like, you can just 
by flipping through it like there are chapters that are one line long that's it one sentence and you're like oh like there's something about that when I see that I'm like oh this is going to be a book that I can't put down because if there's a chapter that's worth a sentence you're like you're going to be be up at like 2 a.m and be like one more chapter one more chapter <laughs> that's what I mean I think literally if you know what I mean you could read this in one sitting oh, for because sure. you just want to keep going and yeah because it's like so nice and bite-sized and like oh it's so good mm-hmm. this is one I also uh, went back and forth between the book and the audible because I had the book physically in person but I was sharing it with my husband so there were times when I wasn't able to have the actual book because Jeremy was still reading it uh so at that point I had the library loan was audible so I was listening to that and went back and forth between them and both were really good this book was crazy I just felt so much for Nora I mean obviously you feel for her because her story and the whole reason that she's experiencing all these lives and all that kind of stuff but I mean I was like freaking out for her because she's switching through all of these lives and I was like I couldn't do it every single time it's like figuring out what your life is who the people are and then trying to step into that and sometimes that's not always easy like you know here step into this other person's life and just know what's going on and take over because obviously in that life you would know what was going on but because you've just stepped into the middle of it so I was like freaking out for her every time she had to switch lives like I was excited for it because I wanted to find out what was going to happen but like I I wouldn't be able to handle that (laughs) it's too intense that would be miserable like I couldn't mm-hmm. I couldn't do it it's too be too much pressure mm-hmm. and it was a beautiful expression of like the multiverse but also how you know with, with sci-fi movies it's always like person from multiverse number 400 jumps into multiverse number 736 or whatever and somehow finds a way to like make that work and in this one you're like this would be so hard like you don't know who's alive you don't know who you were with yesterday you don't know what conversation you had with the person in front of you 10 minutes ago and they're like it's the middle of a conversation they're like are you okay like you just said that you're like um I think I have a headache I don't like you You don't know where you are like you're in different locations Mm -hmm. you know a different house, a different hotel, a different city, a different country, different maybe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that's what I mean. I was freaking out for her. Right. I mean, I never knew you feel like, for her when for she was going to leave but... this world and go back to the library, or if she was going to get to go back to the library. The library, the library itself was yes. awesome too. It was almost mm-hmm. like a character. I mean, you had the librarians. I mean, I guess yes. really she was the character who I loved, but still like the library itself was like this awesome entity that I don't know, just obviously really connected everything because it was the whole sort of point of, I don't know, point of return, point of mm-hmm. beginning and ending and everything. I don't know. I, I really, really liked I mean, we love books and things, so just the fact that it was a library, <laughs> right? there's something about that that was like really satisfying and I really, mm-hmm. really liked. A book that reveres books and we like it? Surprise, surprise. <laughs> right. Yeah, but the book also does such a beautiful job of like asking you like who would be your librarian without ever actually asking the question, but you can't mm, read the right. book without being like, hmm who would be my librarian it's also really good at the same way kind of getting you to think about you you know sometimes you question like the what if you know what if this one thing had been different what if I had done this different thing or this other person had done this different thing and in the book it basically shows you I mean I'm sure there's literally you know 50 options for every little choice that you make that how things could have gone maybe even more than that it's probably infinite but right. but you know what I'm saying you you never really know you make these decisions even simple things and you have no idea what the effects are going to be and I know it's really easy especially if things for some reason haven't worked out the way you want to be like oh but if I had just done this what if I hadn't done that or said that or 
what if I could have changed it? And I think that this just does such a nice job of, I don't know, kind of showing you to just be it like happy with your decisions in your life because yes, some parts could be better if something is changed, but also a lot of things could be worse. And I, I don't know, it's like that whole, like all the threads intertwined and trying to make sense of it. And it gets you to really, I mean, obviously that is the point of the book. So it's, it is obvious in that respect, but I just mean, it doesn't really specifically ask you that, but yet obviously you don't have any choice, but to be thinking about that yourself, if that makes any sense at all. Mm-hmm. It does totally makes sense. And it does that. It's it, it like through showing you this one person's story and stories like options and what happens if she had made this decision versus that decision it shows her what is important so that she could go back to her like so she can try and make like focus on what's important in the future um but also it asks you that question like what is it that's most important in your life and what can you do to highlight that now? Yeah, so good. Really my good. my very short review was essentially, I cannot rave about this book enough. Please read it. Yeah, that's all you got to say. Yep. So clearly five stars from both of us. For sure. <laughs> five plus For stars. Sure. Um, yes. it, I don't know what the rating on Goodreads is, but it's definitely over four stars and it has a yeah. lot. It was like 880 some thousand reviews. So it is well reviewed with a good rating for good reason. So I think we would both highly recommend reading it. Yes. And my father-in-law was here at Christmas christmas no after christmas like last month <laughs> practically the anyway, same thing <laughs> that's how, how fast things are going feels like christmas um and he read it and i think he was a little bit like not like questioning because i was just like no it'll take you like an hour and you'll love it and he was like are you sure and i was like yeah yeah like maybe two but it's not going to take you very long and you'll love it and then like a week later he was like yeah it didn't take me very long and I loved it and I was like yes like I told you (laughs) so obviously it's still early to make determinations but I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up as one of the favorites of this year Mm -hmm. agreed I think the only reason why it wouldn't is if I forget and think that I read it in 2021. <laughs> we did read it this year, didn't we? We finished it in 2022 so. for sure. <laughs> I was gonna say I think we read it this year. But oh see, that's gosh. exactly that's what will happen. Is that, you know, come December of 2022 and be like, did we read it this year? Was it last year? Uh, or we won't even remember which books we read this year. We'll we'll pick like the few at the end because those are the only ones we can remember. Exactly. Oh my gosh. But I've been writing them down so we can I can go back through them. Yeah. Thank you, Goodreads, for keeping track. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We'll just go you. through the whole list and be like, oh, this one. But yeah, I think this probably will end up on our list of favorites if I had to guess. Yes. So. Agreed. And it's nice that it's a single book. Yes. I know we've talked about that in the past. We we obviously do love series and we get really invested in them. But sometimes it is just so nice to have just one book to get through that is complete. And this mm-hmm. is one of those. It's just a Agreed. nice single book. And again, you could probably get it through this, you know, in a day, a weekend, depending on how fast you read and how much time you have. But definitely it's a quick read because it's yeah. so good and you don't want to put it down. Yep quick and deep yes yep all right Megan do you want to tell us about the author of Peter Pan yes so I was listening to an episode of Radio Lab on stress perfect right up my alley and they were saying a bunch of stuff that I already knew about stress um how to handle it what it does to the body and then they got to this part about They said, did you know that a human being can get so stressed that they actually stop growing? And I was like, no, 
that's not real. That's crazy. <laughs> and then they were like, pretty much you have a relationship with an author for whom this happened. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, it was just like in everybody's house. Well, it turns out that the author of Peter Pan, J.M. Barry is his name, I guess had a very traumatic childhood. So at age nine, he unfortunately witnessed his brother's death. His brother was 12. Oh no. Yeah. And so obviously that's traumatic in and of itself, but his brother was essentially his mother's favorite. And so it was super traumatic for mom. Mom would essentially fell into a very deep depression. And so JM would like come and like bring mom food and try and, you know, lift her spirits. And she'd be like, is it you, David? And because David was the favorite and he'd be like, no, it's literally just me. Sorry. Oh, that's awful. Right. And she would go on and on about how at least if David had to die, he died young. So he would like, he would always be the age where he needed his mother. This sounds like it might've been an unhealthy relationship. Oh, oh, for sure. For sure. And what happened is J.M. Barry, essentially around age nine, stopped growing. He goes so stressed in this situation. He never hit more than five feet tall. So he's never, not even five feet tall. He did get married, but couldn't have children because he never quite hit puberty. His body just stopped growing. And then, of course, he wrote Peter Pan. And you can see some of, like, this idea of never growing up and where some of those concepts would go to, which seemed much more innocent before I knew this story. Yeah, definitely. I never would have realized that that was sort of you know, there were any real life elements in Peter Pan. Yeah, me neither. I mean, like that, it's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, and we knew we, like the field of biology, for instance, knew that this could happen in animals. So they could traumatize rats and make them never grow again, essentially. But I was for sure, I was like, but the human being is so much more complicated, which isn't really fair, but go with me and uh, but yeah (laughs) it can actually happen to humans if they're severely traumatized like the body just shuts down it's so weird though that it never picks back up I mean not that I would have expected it to happen at all but to me it's like okay so at nine you have this traumatic thing and you're still traumatized for a while because obviously it's going to take you a long time to get over your brother's death especially if your mom is having lots of difficulties and making things more stressful and difficult but you would think you know a few years later when things maybe calm down or you kind of you know you never get over it but come to terms with it a bit more then you know maybe you've had like that setback but you think your body mm-hmm. would maybe start moving forward again mm-hmm. well and for most it- people I think that is what would happen I mean, because the point of the episode is when the body gets stressed, like what does it go through? And we all have a small version of this. So if you ever have experienced like stage fright and you find that your mouth gets dry, it's because there are actual parts of the body that start to shut down because you're getting stressed. So that's what happens with the body. But this is, of course, the extreme version of that which I was like, that won't happen. And just kidding. It happens occasionally. He literally was never not stressed then. Like, so for literally like his whole life, he just was at some kind of elevated stress level that he couldn't get past even. Yeah. His body never came out of that stress. So that is crazy. Right. So like, yeah, never really hit puberty, never had children does it say if that has happened I mean I wouldn't say a lot but I mean is that like a very rare thing that happened to him or is this you know one of those things that is actually happening and we just don't really realize it's happening so much I mean my guess is again like his case is super extreme so it is more like a, a point that it can happen and that most of us though with therapy and with 
um, just kind of daily breathing and meditation and stuff exercises can bring our body out of that stress level. Um, but on a, you know, on a small level, most of us do experience some level of stress and can, you know, a lot of people like they're, they, if they're stressed, they don't, they have that experience of not being hungry. And that's because their digestion has literally stalled. Um, so most of us, you know, get over whatever is that stressful event and then we're hungry again. Um, you know, but it's obvious, like for some people, the exact opposite occurs, you get super stressed and you get super hungry. So like the body's, the body's stress response may be similar, but different for, you know, groups of people. Right. Cause everyone's an individual and their bodies are all going to be a little bit different in how they yeah. react to things crazy right but I could I just I haven't been able to stop thinking about this idea that he just never like his body was just like and we're done like you get to live but you don't get to grow because that's that's literally too much work we are too stressed to even think about growing that's crazy. I honestly am a little bit shocked just about the the idea of even with normal stress, you know, like if your mouth is getting dry or you're not hungry, that your body is actually like shutting down in a way. Because mm-hmm. while obviously I would say, oh yeah, those are stress responses. I never really thought through what that would mean, like how, how exactly your body was doing that mm-hmm. or why. And so I'm over here, even not at the extreme thinking, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Your body's shutting down things because of stress. Right. So this whole well, thing is kind of blowing my mind right now. <laughs> yep. Well, because if you're in that stressful situation, it's like, okay, what resources are can we save? Because we don't know when we're going to get access to those things again. And so it's... Right. Because from just a biological yeah. standpoint, you're not thinking, oh, I just have to give this speech or whatever. It's not, I'm not truly in danger of, you know, something going wrong and needing all of this extra resources, but your body doesn't know that it just knows something is stressing me out. I need to save my resources. So that, that makes sense. I've just really not, I don't think thought about it like that most of the time. So it's just, yeah, a little bit crazy, a little bit crazy. Yeah. So super crazy. And that's why I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. And right, like Peter so, uh, Pan, like it is a story that is going to be in most people's houses. Not that even if you don't own it, like you've you seen know the it. Disney version or Mary Martin's version. Yeah. So the moral of the story is try not to get stressed, friends. Yeah. Jeez. Right? Because <sighs> it can literally stunt your growth. I mean, and obviously I know stress is bad for you anyways. So you know, you would think obviously in general, we should try if we can to keep ourselves from getting stressed out and things, but yeah, I didn't really realize it was, you know, potentially shutting things down in your body and different things. That's, that's craziness. Yep. But Shosh, bring us up from here. Tell us about the next season of Bridgerton. <laughs> the thing that I cannot stop thinking about is Bridgerton season two. Oh, I'm so excited. So for anybody who's been listening for a long time, they will know that we read the entire Bridgerton series because of Bridgerton season one on Netflix. So we didn't know anything about the series. We, we saw Bridgerton. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we love Shonda. Um, we, we saw season one and we were like, this is amazing. And I was like, Megan, please read these books with me. I need to see what's happening here. We read the books. We, especially the first one, we didn't really love the first one, if we're being honest. If you can go back and listen to our full review, but the Netflix series was way better than the first book. But our favorite book was book two, which was Anthony's story. And that is the season that is coming out. So I'm super pumped. I can't wait. There better be a mallet of death. Yes. That's all Black I'm saying. Mallet of death. If it does not make an appearance, I'm going to have to write off the rest of all Shondaland stuff. I'm sure that it's there. I haven't seen it in the, I did see them playing croquet in one of the, in the trailer. Trailers, and I yep. did see one 
a poster where they were holding the mallets and i'm pretty sure one of them was the black one so i mean i'm sure that it will be there but yeah, i am just I'm not really saying, worried about it, my pronouncement it needs, <laughs> it needs to be there yeah it's been a while since we've read these now like we've, we've had quite a gap so i don't really remember all of the specifics but this was definitely both of our favorite books i'm pretty sure it had the highest ratings on goodreads although to be fair i think the earlier books had way more reviews than the later books as you would expect especially when there's like i don't even know eight or nine books or yeah. something it's like a lot so that's not really unexpected but still this one i think was a lot of people's favorites and had much better reviews so for book one to be our least favorite for us to love season one on netflix that much I just have really high expectations. I hope that I'm not maybe actually have too high of expectations. You know, sometimes right. when you really get excited about something, it lets you down a little bit because your expectations are really high. But I'm super pumped. I binge watched the whole first season again in preparation. So I am ready. Yes. I'm ready. I, I already it. told Amir that we're going to binge watch season two this weekend. It's happening starting tonight. Nice good that Amir is willing to do that with you. <laughs> I'm not giving him a choice, but yes, he he is willing to he's willing to watch it with me. So I'm pumped. Yeah. And I think the like trope for book two was like taming of the shrew. Oh. So if that uh entices anybody, there you go. You got a little um Shakespearean connection yeah there you go yeah and if not just watch it anyway because it's shondaland and it's gonna be great if anything i'm sure the music will be amazing they it was all what is the name of it sort of the it's like i want to say vitamin string quartet but that sounds like it might be wrong <laughs> but it's a well-known group that does like orchestral versions of like they do string versions of modern hits does that make sense i don't know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah i'm looking up the group i think it's vitamin string quartet something like that yeah vitamin string quartet yep that's it oh i had it so it's amazing so you've got like you know or a vitamin. taylor swift song but yes. it's all done on strings yeah. for example so the music is excellent excellent it just really like adds to the whole thing Shonda Rhimes is a genius she we've already is. said that before she but she's is. amazing so so watch it and enjoy it will be a treat yes and it so in case you're wondering when we're recording this it dropped today so if you want to go back in time figure that out that's when we're recording and that's why we're so excited so if you have at this point seen British in season two when this episode airs or if you've read the midnight library or if you know where we can get the cinnamon tea <laughs> by tea of the month club let us know you can contact us on our email which is apt29a at gmail.com or on instagram at apartment 29a thank you I'll so much you. for listening yes we definitely want to hear from you have a great week thanks all. guys bye, bye. You know what I mean? Maybe you don't know what I mean because I haven't told you. <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> I mean, I know you can usually read my mind, but I just need to. That down. was like a whole new <laughs> level of expectations there. One noun might help me out. <laughs> <laughs>